Welcome in to yet another edition of the Return of the World podcast. Chris Watkins, Francis, nope, Cardicelli, nope, on the other side of the mic, uh, Franklin Cardicelli, joining me as always, and uh, we have some good news to talk about here. Everyone already knows. The Sacramento Kings have actually won basketball games uh, since the last time we recorded. Uh, they took down the Miami Heat at home on, was that Saturday? Mm-hmm. Saturday uh, evening uh, at around 3 o'clock, I believe that game started. Uh, and then uh, went back to back and took care of business against the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, unfortunately, left that game without De'Aaron Fox, who uh, who ended up missing. Uh, we were recording this on Thursday, missed Wednesday uh, Wednesday night's game against uh, the uh, Miami Heat as well. And yep. so that's kind of where we stand right now. De'Aaron is expected to probably come back uh, for their next game on Saturday against the Orlando Magic, uh, but no official word on that yet. He was practicing uh, before the game on Wednesday in Miami. Frank, that's where we stand right now. Uh, what, what what are your thoughts just from the week that was? Is there any any big key points that stuck out, any... I'm sorry. Big beautiful moments. As we get started, I just can't stop start stop oh, thinking no. about. Oh no! Just real quick, I just want to throw out there. <laughs> this is a quick hit, quick hitter. Um, I, Chris and I were both just educated on on some basketball history. Uh, Stephon Marbury apparently. I mean, it's this is in comparison to the Kyrie Irving antics and just people, basketball players have done some kind of wildish things. Uh, Stephon Marbury apparently ate. Vaseline. So if anyone's out there and you want to get your week, I mean, it's the end of the week, it's not week started, but get your day started, uh, go look that up on YouTube because I had no idea and I thought I liked basketball a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, other than that, which took my brain off of right. last night's game, the right. Kings Heat game, uh, the week was going good. The week was going well. Uh, the Kings obviously were riding high, two games in a row, two wins. I really felt last night's game against Miami was a good game. They played well across the board. I mean, even if you look at the way they shot the basketball, uh, 47 from the field, 36 from three, 85 from the line. Not really much like like wrong on that front. 12 turnovers. I mean, that's against 11 from Miami. Again, not really that big of a difference. The fouls were down. Even Miami outfouled them last night. It kind of comes down to that last play, and that's a play that I think we're going to talk about here uh, for a good amount, and it's going to be talked about for a while, and we're waiting on that two-minute report. But Tyler Hero gets off that game-winning attempt, and I thought TD played some decent defense on him. For sure. And what should be confirmed as an illegal move by Tyler Hero, and it was a good shot. I mean, it's a good shot if you take out the fact that he likely traveled. It's right. a good shot. It's right. Tyler Hero. It's a good move. It's a good move. But I didn't see it in real time. I'm wondering, did you see it in real time? He looked like obviously, if you're not familiar, Tower Hero traveled. <laughs> I think we can say he traveled. Yeah, I mean it's it is the uh, it's a very slight travel for sure. But yeah, he definitely sets his feet and then kind of regathers himself, picks up his left foot, puts it back down, and kind of steps to the right a little to to get his actual shot off. Um, it's you know it's one of those things where they're they're. Probably nine times out of ten, they're not going to call that. Like it would, honestly, it's it's. Uh, I used to say it about James Harden all the time, and I'm not really comparing Tyler Hero to peak James Harden, but like at the end of the day, he did make the shot. Like 
he like it was a very very tough shot and he drilled it and I know like it does like obviously if if you travel and you cheat quote unquote cheat um you know it it shouldn't count but you know sometimes there's there's a lot of calls that don't go your way and uh you know I'm not going to chastise Mike Brown for not holding on to his challenge for for that moment but uh, what could you even do with right, it it's exactly. like the, that's a question and Sam Amick was on with the the morning show guys mm-hmm. today Dave and Jason and it brings up like a kind of an interesting question. Like, do they need to kind of rethink the the challenge process? Because there wasn't a whistle called, and right. he traveled, but there was no whistle, so nothing we can do about it. But if there was a way to kind of tweak that and make it so you could, I mean, that'd be interesting. Just to challenge a a a play that has ended, like a play that is mm-hmm. followed by a whistle. Cause, or there wasn't even a whistle. No, the game ended. I'm sorry. So I don't know. It's like it's a gray area. And one thing I will say is the fact that. The challenge system. I don't understand why in the NBA you get rewarded for winning a challenge by losing by not having a challenge anymore. And I know that in baseball, if you challenge, you get to keep it. You get to keep your challenge. In the NFL, I'm not quite familiar. Do you get to keep your challenge if you win your challenge? Yes. So if you win your first challenge, you get a second challenge. Um, and the thing that I feel like the NBA could maybe do that the NFL does is just make. Uh, under two minutes, it all goes to the referees. And, you know, in the NFL, there's this, if if on any turnover or any scoring play, they automatically look at it and it needs to be confirmed before the other team takes over. Obviously, in the NBA, with a lot more turnovers and a lot more points, uh, buckets, you know, you can't, you can't really do that. But I think that there should be like an under two minutes you can just kind of review anything that is questionable. And, you know, if, you know, yeah, it's going to slow down the last two minutes of the game. It's kind of the nature of the beast. But then it's it's like it's the give and take of do you want, you know, we, we can compl- either complain about the two minutes being too long or we can get it right. You know, like it, you, you, it's one or the other. And uh, I don't know which side of the fence I really fall on because – Again, at the end of the day, it's kind of like, you know, you're going you're just going to lose those kind of games and it's unfortunate, it's not fair, I guess. You can you can Mike Brown definitely had some choice words for it and didn't feel like it was, his team was treated fairly, but you know, that's kind of just the game sometimes. That's the that's the human element where, you know, it's kind of like in baseball like, you know, you you kind of live with the fact that umpires are humans and might not get balls and strikes correct. It's it's really, really garbage, and you know maybe eventually in the near future they end up getting rid of that. But the human element of the game is kind of part of the charm of sports. But I guess the debate is, does that belong in professional sports? Yeah, so they're going to have to figure it out because right. did that cost the Kings the game? Possibly. I don't know. I mean, pretty much. I mean, I yeah. guess kind of. They could they would have gone to overtime, and at that point it's a coin flip. But it, it was. I think it goes either way, though. Like you said, like if Kevin Herter hit that shot, I think we'd be sitting here today saying, well, you know, we got away with it. Right. So that's right. the way the game goes. Right. So it's just the Kings got the short end of the stick on that one. And As it's they tough. Tend to. As they tend to. They, right. they are the champions of the two-minute report. They're the two-minute report <laughs> champions. Kings, every right. every two-minute report. Right. It's, oh, my God, we won the two-minute report. Right. They, the thing they we thought happened, wrong. happened. Right. Congratulations. Right. We They don't give you retroactive wins. So – it's it's I a think tough they, loss. They give you Pythagorean th- wins, which yes. is a thing. 
yes. super random. I never know what that stat like actually means. I don't but, either, like, but I do. I have noticed that right. too. Super strange. It's like winning expected winning percentage. Yes, like, essentially. Yeah. Had. Yeah. Um, it, it hurts though because the Kings were. I mean, again, you don't know if they call travel. They get the ball with I think two three seconds left, right. and it's a tie game. So maybe anything anything could happen. They had no timeouts, but. The fact that you're that close to being three and four after an zero and four start, and now you're in that hole of two and five now, and you need to essentially win on you have to win on Saturday, otherwise you're going to be in a two and seven hole because you have the Warriors on Monday. Two and six, I think. Right? Well, if they lose on Saturday, oh, right, then they fall right. to two and seven because I don't, I just don't feel confident they're going to beat the Warriors on Monday. I mean, two, <laughs> two, two and seven is not where I want to be after nine games, and I know the opening schedule has been tough. But it doesn't really ease up for a little bit here. Nope. I mean, the Kings, they get Golden State, Cleveland, the Lakers, which I don't really feel too afraid about them. As I've, fam- I mean, I, I say it every week on this podcast, I just do not feel confident in the Lakers. But then you get Golden State and Brooklyn again. And then things kind of open up. So you have to go through another week and a half here of tough games. And why, while I don't think the season is going to be completely ruined if the Kings are 4-10 and 10 or 4-11 and 11, come... November twenty second or twenty twentieth, whatever, whatever have you. Uh, last night's game hurts, and losing the Clippers by two points hurts when you missed eleven free throws. I mean, the Kings essentially should be five hundred or better right now because of the way that they've played, and they haven't played poorly to this point. Last night was one of their better defensive performances of the season. I mean, by the numbers, where they hold Miami to one hundred and ten. I mean, I think that's the least amount of points they've allowed all year, which is kind of. Not great. Yeah, that's it's also what, the least they've scored all year. That is the least amount of points they've scored. The Kings have scored. or allowed. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh no, they scored one hundred nine again. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. So, it's. I'm not sure how I feel. I mean, how do you feel? Do you think that this loss last night could have like repercussions, or do you think it's kind of? Do you feel the team has played well? The the guys that are out there are performing. They they were a De'Aaron Fox injury away from winning last night, possibly even. Mm-hmm. I know Jimmy Butler was out too, but uh, do you feel good about the team? I guess is the question I have through seven seven games. Yeah, I honestly really do. I really really enjoy. I thought last night's game was incredibly fun. I you know it's it's it had some rough patches, and that's going to happen when the two teams or each team is missing their star player. That I think you know in the second quarter there was a big scoring drought I think in the third as well there was a big scoring drought for a while um it was ugly at points but it was super super entertaining the game was really close all game uh the Kings competed I thought for for a large majority of that and then Miami did what Miami did it's super unfortunate that we lost again but I I I love the compete level of the guys I think everyone was determined to win that game for sure and uh you know I I don't really have many complaints from the from the standpoint of the compete level, which is kind of all you can ask for, uh, you know, on a on a nightly basis. And uh, you know, Keegan's shot wasn't falling. Um, Davion didn't didn't have a great game offensively. He really needed to, right? As well, right. I mean, he's needed to, and it didn't they, happen. They didn't really have much of a, a pop off the bench besides Malik Monk, which has been a, a common trend. You know, Terrence Davis didn't really get them anything. Del Vadova, I thought, was super solid, but you know, nothing more than what you would expect from him. Um, it, it was, you know, Trey Lyles didn't really make that much of an impact. Rashawn had another quiet night. So, you know, it was it was the guys that you needed to, the, to I'm sorry, it wasn't the guys you needed to step up, step up. It was, um, you know, you, you, you got 
kind of a Kingsian effort that that we've gotten all season where it's like we can't get this team to play well all on the same night and um, that's something I'm still waiting to see is just like can we I thought initially the starters came out and really uh, played really well but then um, yeah I mean we just couldn't get six or seven guys to play well on a given night it's always two or three and that's right. kind of the way it goes in the NBA I think I mean I I, I think that it's pretty rare to have everybody doing right. everything at once I mean that's like Bucks Warriors right. territory but just have impact. I don't necessarily need yeah. that. For sure, I hear you. Like, I mean, yeah, I was looking at box scores all last night, and it's like it's generally three people score twenty points, and then everyone else is six and five and two and all those but things. But the Kings need a little more than that, right. which is like they don't have the luxury of of having some guys go for forty right. twenty in like exactly. fifteen. They they have uh, Sabonis, Herder, and Monk kind of carrying the the you know the weight last night in the offense, but. Um, it was a battle. It, it was like it was a good basketball game. Like, That's if you, what I if you like good basketball, I think it was a good basketball game. And every quarter was. I mean, just looking at it, the the biggest differential was two points. I mean, the Kings were in every. They were never trailing more than six, seven points. Uh, there was twenty six lead changes. It was just a back and forth affair. And right. They didn't have the ball when they needed it most late what in the game. Did, what did you feel, or how do you feel about Mike Brown's timeout management? Obviously, ended up that game with whatever in the in the final moment didn't have a timeout to call we've seen that from Mike Brown actually a couple times uh, I believe I can't remember which it was one of the mo- more recent home games where he he challenged I think he challenged a call with like two minutes left yeah. or it might have even been like five minutes left and it would have been his last timeout he won the challenge got to keep his timeout but like this has been a common occurrence where Mike and Mike has called timeouts incredibly early and frequently in games, especially when he sees something he doesn't like on the defensive end. Um, do you think that it's, that it's costing him, or is it is are you of mind where it's like a lot of coaches where it's like, you can't take them home, so I might as well yeah, use them? Yeah, it, it hadn't really cost him until last night. Last night was obviously kind of poor, in my opinion, poor management of the timeouts. And it was kind of poor rotation management, too. I mean, I, I'm kind of intrigued by the way he used the timeouts, number one, and he does go to those challenges early. And they benefited them, um, I think, in the Miami game on Saturday mm-hmm. when Sabonis was playing really well. It bought him a little more time. And that maybe maybe that got the Kings to win. I mean, Sabonis played really well, and the fact that he could stay on the floor to end the second half, that was huge. Right. And he had a huge first half. Or first half, excuse me. That he could stay on the floor to end the second quarter uh, was huge. So using those timeouts and those challenges early kind of came back to bite him. And it actually did because the Kings had the ball there. You call a timeout, advance it, maybe drop a nice play for Kevin Herter, who's mm-hmm. been nails. Malik Monk was on, was on fire last night. Put Keegan um, in. Maybe Keegan can he, knock one down. That was my next point. It was, I mean, I like Terrence Davis's upside as a bench piece, but what is he doing in the game over Keegan Murray right. in crunch time? And looking at it, TD played eight minutes last night. It was 0-3 from the field. Didn't really bring much. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had a good defensive possession on, on Hero. He did. I don't think he played poor defense no, on him. No, that was not his fault. Good contest. Hero's a great player. Uh, he traveled. He did travel. He traveled. <laughs> game, was a, right. game was a joke. Right. Uh, but Keegan Murray's not in the game, so I'm just wondering why. Like, yeah, why? I, th- I think you have – like, that was a learning – to me, like, I instantly – took it as, like, this is Mike Brown telling Keegan, like, you're not just going to finish the game because you feel like you're one of our better, we, you know, we can all acknowledge Keegan's been one of the Kings' best two to three players this season. But 
um, you know, as a rookie, you're still trying to teach him things. And it's like, you have to let him know, hey, if you're not playing well, like I need to go to guys or I will go to guys that I quote unquote trust. I, I again, I just think it was a, a learning moment that Mike was trying to give Keegan and, you know, whether or not it was super intentional or not, um, I'm not sure, but I definitely think he was using it as like a, hey man, like you're not having a good, a great game. I'm not just going to put you out there because, because, you know, you feel like you deserve it. Like, like you, go, you got, just, you got to earn again. Like he kind of, he made him earn his starting spot. I think he's trying to show him. You also have to earn a finishing spot as like, well. Let's do something different here down right. the stretch. And I, I get that. I mean, I'm not an NBA head coach. Yeah. I just feel like you might want to have someone uh, who can knock down shots and can provide length and is a good defender versus, you know, TD who we haven't really seen that yet this season. And I mean, again, the offense kind of slowed down late and the fact they didn't have a timeout hurt them. It just again, good good game. They got beat. And maybe they got beat in a way that was illegal and and <laughs> not right, but that's the king's way. Um I kind of want to pivot just for a second here. You you said Rashawn Holmes' name and I have a stat. Oof. Uh something tells me this is not gonna Oh, it's 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 Go not ahead. gonna be bad. We can start kind of focusing on some of just individual aspects of the game, mm-hmm. I guess, or of uh the team real quick. Um Rashawn Holmes has struggled as we've known, but I think one of the things I was looking forward with was the defense. I was hoping he could bring kind of a defensive punch off the bench. And so far that's not the case because no. Tim Maxwell, Sacktown Baby Giraffe of the Kings Herald, tweeted today. Opponents are shooting 20 of 31, that's 64%, from the field when guarded by Rashawn Holmes. An increase of 15.4% over their average field goal percentage. That's the worst mark, both in field goal percentage and differential, of any NBA center who has defended at least 30 field goal attempts this year. It's the fourth worst in the entire NBA. So we're not talking about a rough start. We're talking about, quite literally, he's a bottom... I mean, bottom five worst defender in the NBA right now. And the Kings, I guess it kind of has put it all together. They have no rim protection. They have no defensive presence in the middle. None. And Rashawn has been a, it's a black hole out there. Yeah. Just every time that he's out there, he's not doing anything of value, which is a bummer to say because, bless you. Thank you. I'm a Rashawn guy. I, I was really happy when they signed him to that, uh, that new deal a couple years ago. I thought he'd be a good bench piece behind Sabonis when they made that deal. Uh, I thought he had the skills to reinvent himself or not even reinvent, just kind of go back to where he was with Philly right. or Phoenix. And or the beat. guy he came when he came in. I mean, we saw Dwayne Dedman last night. When we first signed Rashawn Holmes, he was the backup to yeah. Dwayne Dedman and straight up earned a starter role because of how well he played off the bench. What the hell was that, by the way? Dwayne Dedman. Oh. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> she had to knock two of them down just to... So, someone right. on Twitter responded to me because I put a tweet out. I said, Dwayne Dedman's coming in. Everyone prepare yourselves. And someone responded responded a tweet and said, Dwayne Dedman's going to hit two three-pointers. And I swear to God, within like 10 minutes, he hit two three-pointers. And the person was like, I told you. Right. I was like, damn it. Uh, so Rashawn's been not even Dwayne Dedman, which is it pains me to say. Right. Dwayne Dedman is, I assure you, more productive than Rashawn Holmes as far. And I'm just wondering... And I'll ask you, at what point does Mike Brown say, you know, maybe we go to Alex Len or maybe we go to Nimi Keita? I just am wondering, because it's not working. The bench is right. still not really a plus for this team right now. I mean, outside of Malik Monk, who's starting to kind of turn it on, the bench has been bad. 
So I'm just wondering, at what point do you think it comes down to Rashawn Holmes played 11 minutes last night. Do we go to someone who has more length like Alex Len and say, let's see if he can protect the rim? Right. I'm almost curious. I'll, I'll take it a step further. At what point does this become a Monty McNair issue? Not, you know, not like this is Monty McNair's fault, but like Monty McNair needs to solve the problem. Uh, because I'm not from from what how Rashawn has played offensively, but also as you mentioned defensively, he's just not it. Like he he's not the guy who needs to be in that role. I mean, you know, I I don't by any stretch of the imagination think that Damian Jones is a better player at all than Rashawn Holmes. But I think when you think of the specific role that you want, I would much rather have Damian Jones in that role who is only going to go and try and get as many rebounds as possible and as many, you know, actually protect the rim, where I think Rashawn is still in the mode of, like, he's trying to do a little bit of everything, but he's only playing 10 minutes, and he's ending up doing a whole lot of nothing. Where it's like, this guy, I mean, what, he's got, you take out the Golden State game, I'm going to read his point. And, you know, to your point, I think Rashawn is meant to be just as valuable, if not more valuable defensively than offensively, but let's take the Golden State game out of his uh, out of his log, which isn't completely fair to him because he did have a very good game. But first game against Portland, 14 minutes, 2 points, 3 rebounds. Next game against the Clippers, 12 minutes, 2 points, 3 rebounds. Then has the Golden State game. Memphis, 8 minutes, 0 points, 1 rebound. Miami, the first game, the game we won, 21 minutes, 5 points, 4 rebounds. Charlotte, 12 minutes, 2 points, 0 rebounds. Last night against Miami, 10 minutes, 4 points, 4 rebounds. He's not a backup. He He's not a backup center. I think that he, I think it's, I don't know how you go about it. He's due, I think, what, $30 million over the next three years? $33 million the next three <laughs> years? Uh, I think they need to find a new home for him. Right. And it's for both sides. I mean, I just don't think he is a fit. And right. I think... I would rather have Damian Jones right now be the backup center. And a guy who's super athletic and knows his role and looks comfortable in his role. Right. Whereas Damian Jones right now is being wasted in L.A. He's he's out of the rotation. Yep. And it's a bummer to see. But it's a problem. If the, if the Kings are going to be successful, they need, they need to figure out a couple things. Number one, the bench. And Rashawn's a part of that. Number two, which I guess will get us into our next point. So I guess I'll stop it too. Harrison Barnes right. has been... I mean, this is... He's been very bad. I mean, yeah. uh, I have right here through the first seven games, Harrison Barnes, 11 points per game, five rebounds. He's been rebounding, two assists, 38% from the field, 17% from three. And I know that you had a mm. – or no, it was Brendan. Brendan Nunez had a quote on, on their Idiot. podcast. Not you. It, it is something you'd say, though. <laughs> it is something you'd say. And he, he thought he was a little too harsh. But now I'm kind of wondering – you know, I don't want to be disrespectful either, but Brendan's question was, is Harrison Barnes washed? And I I don't want to say that because I think that he's very capable of coming out and putting together some good games here. But the looks he's getting are looks that it's kind of giving me like the, the Ben McLemore vibes of it looks good when he shoots it, and it looks good when he's getting those drives to the basket, but they're missing. Yeah, he had one yesterday. So many times. He missed like three inches to the left. He like completely. It was a side shot, and he aired it. He missed everything. Missed everything. Even his drives to the basket aren't being right. finished. And it's just, it's very uncharacteristic, and it's, it's a little scary. A little scary. And I was a guy who was like hoping for an extension right. in training camp. Right. 
So how do you, how do you feel? I feel bamboozled, hoodwinked, led astray. Uh, in the preseason, all I was saying was the reason why this team was different than uh, last was because last year's distractions in terms of like off the court stuff was Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley, and that definitely seeped onto the floor. Both of those guys didn't want to be here. It was very clear, and I think it just kind of ruined things from the start. This year, the difference was the two guys who have off the court or like on the court questions was Harrison Barnes, who's in a contract year, trying to figure out if this is going to be his team for the future, and Rashawn Holmes, who's now being asked to be in this new bench role, and you know we'd saw, seen him struggle last year, and would he figure it out and be the guy? And I was my argument was those are the two guys that I am least worried. Like those are the two best guys to have a quote unquote problem with your team because those are two very high character guys, two professionals who whose game isn't super flashy and it's just it is what it is and they can do that on a regular basis. That could not be more opposite of what is going on. Like those two have been the two biggest glaring problems for this team. I would also throw Davion Mitchell in there as well. Um I mean Harrison has just I don't I'm not going to say he's washed. I would like to think listeners of this podcast know my feelings about Harrison Barnes. I'm not his biggest supporter, but at the same time Right now, I feel like I am his biggest supporter because I don't think he's washed. There's no reason why Harrison Barnes, over an offseason where he hasn't been injured, he doesn't have heavy playoff minutes, there's a lot of guys who are his age, if not older, that have, you know, are still, their bodies are in great shape. You know, Paul George broke his, like, his legs snapped. <laughs> okay, we, we unfortunately all saw that, and Paul George is not Wash and granted, obviously everyone's body is different, but like, there's no reason to point to why Harrison Barnes would go from average NBA small for- starting small forward to what we're seeing right now. I think it's just an un- incredibly unfortunate dip in his production. Which I hate to break it to everybody, but this is kind of what Harrison Barnes does: is he mm-hmm. randomly has really, really bad games for a stretch. This is definitely extreme, and that's where I'm concerned. Is like we're Seven games in here, and you know, typically these things last two, three games max, and then Harrison will give us a twenty-five, seven, and five threes or something like that. We he's really only had one good game, and that was uh, was that against Memphis the other day, I believe. Yeah, and uh, you know that was that was an excellent that was the Harrison Barnes that I expect to see. It looked like he was really looking for a shot, and he <laughs> since that game and before that game. He's just looked incredibly passive, and I don't know if he's scared to shoot or what, but it's, it just hasn't looked right. Well, it's like, you know, it's new territory for HB, because I think Mike Brown said it too, that he isn't really someone that he's drawing plays for. He's not someone that is a, a I don't think he's even a top four option right. when he's on the floor right now. He's he's number five, right. and that's interesting to me, because when you have De'Aaron Fox, Kevin Herter, Demonis Sabonis, and Keegan Murray out there, those have kind of been the guys in that order. Right. I mean, those have been your your best guys so far. Rightfully so, honestly. And yeah, rightfully so. I mean, Harrison Barnes is kind of playing that like Damari Carroll Hawks role. Oof. That's a deep cut. That's but a deep cut. Deep cut. And, he and was, you would think he would thrive in that role, right? Yeah. I mean, which I, is strange. I've I've envisioned, and Harrison was that as a rookie mm-hmm. or a first couple so years true. with, right. with, with, with Golden, Golden State. State. So true. And he's kind of back to that, but the point is, he's not making those shots. And the Kings have lost some games here. And again, it doesn't fall on one player. Like you said, it's a lot of different things. It's it's the things like Davion and Rashawn, HB. Those have been the the rotation hasn't been been uh, consistent. 
there are a lot of things that have kind of gone to the start and a brutal opening schedule, mind you. Right. But HB doesn't like himself. He's not the Harrison Barnes of the past five, six years where he is a top two, top three option in the offense. He's having to kind of, like you said, he's being a little passive. And sometimes I'm even seeing him be a little forceful, mm-hmm. which I've never really seen him do. Uh, you know, He's not getting shots off. He's not getting looks as fluidly as he was before because they're not looking for him as much. He's not he's not needed to, to be that guy. So maybe if the Kings are going to find a way to win with Harrison being this version of himself, they need De'Aaron Fox on the floor, number one. Keegan Murray struggled the past couple of games. I think even through his struggles, I'm looking at his numbers, it's kind of interesting that he's still shooting 48 from the field, 37 from three, even though he's had a bad two games in a row. Uh, he needs to be on. If he's not going to be the Harrison Barnes of old, Kevin Herter needs to, this needs to be for real. Keegan Murray needs to, to kind of yeah, pick it up. back into shape. And the bench needs to do something. But I'm not going to raise the alarm. I'm not going to call him washed either. He's not washed. Yeah, Brendan. He's, yeah, Brendan, geez. He's just rediscovering himself. And it's not beautiful. going well, but it's beautiful to Chris. Yeah. <laughs> he's rediscovering himself just sounds like. He's, you know, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's, it's something we should celebrate. It's like it's, a butterfly coming out of a cocoon, right? <laughs> in, a, in a field with flowers. Um, I don't know why this popped in my head while you were talking there, but uh, can we give quick claps to Demonis Sabonis for hitting those two free throws? Like, what are the odds? Four, 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 four clutch free throws, four in a row, like back to back sequences. And that there. one <laughs> where it was bouncing and bouncing and bouncing, and they went in. I was like. I was watching right. it with uh, with Allie, and and I said he's I said he's going to miss like statistically right. he has to miss one because right. like he's like a fifty percent free throw shooter <laughs> so far, and I'm like he's gonna have to miss one, and that first one just really wanted to crawl out, yeah. and it just came back in. But no, uh, I think it's time to give him his flowers for the way he played last night. I think right. he was getting kind of step up. critiqued or dragged, I guess you could say. He was leading the NBA in foul in personal fouls. He was number one in the NBA entering play last night. Probably still in the top two or three today. Maybe even still number one. I think they showed a graphic. He was first in fouls per game. Four point seven. Four point seven. Right. And he's fouled out. He had fouled out three times over six games. Did he finish with three yesterday? He finished with. It was or late. Was it two? He right, because he, he the last play of the game was an offensive foul. Two, two, two yeah. personal fouls. Right. That is exactly what's needed. And again, he had his best game of the season: twenty-two points, twelve boards, eight assists. A steal, and he shot over fifty percent from the field, and hit hit a three pointer. His he first did. three, hilarious, lethal you shooter. See, you see him throw his hands up in the air, and then just kind of like throw him out. Screw you, lethal shooter. Right, right. Didn't help me at all. Uh, Poor guy. But the Kings, obviously, another thing I left out of that, as far as HB needing to play well, everyone needed to do their role. They need Demonis Sabonis on the floor, right? And he was not on the floor against Miami. He was not on the floor against Charlotte in the last two, three minutes of the game because he had fouled out in both those games. And the Kings won those those games. It's great. Right. It's huge. It's good to know that they could dig deep and do that without without him and Fox. And Fox, Notably exactly. in Charlotte right. where they went to Kevin Herter and, and uh, Keegan Moran had a big shot. Even last night. I mean, even last night for yeah. them to be able to, to scrap and, you know— Hit you know, okay, Kevin Herter hit big shots. Sabonis yeah. hit big layups or big layups, big free throws. That's big. We'll, we'll get to Kevin Herter too. Don't think right. people don't think we forgot about him. Right. Uh, but they need him on the floor, and I think with this new defensive mindset and the aggressiveness on the defensive end, some guys like Sabonis who are not natural defenders are being they're doing a little too much and being a little too aggressive. Right. 
I think he's very handsy, and that's something I've seen with Rashawn as well. Rashawn has been incredibly handsy on the defensive end. I don't know if that's something that they're being taught or what, but um, I definitely feel like – do you feel like Sabonis has been called fairly? The fouls? Yes. Yeah, he he, he goes to two hands a lot. That's, auto, that's an automatic whistle. You can't yeah. do two hands. Yeah, I feel like it's been ticky-tack at moments, but I, I think he's earned – probably like three fouls a game. I think he, he's definitely played very aggressive and it's tough for him when he's not a natural rim protector to, I mean, especially with the the way that they allow people to drive into the paint, the amount of shots that he's having to contest at the rim, I think is not, it's just not ideal for him. And I think last night we saw him kind of play like a softer version of defense. You kind of saw him like almost intentionally, you know, not fouling instead of, you know, giving... I don't want to say giving his best defensive effort because that kind of sounds like he wasn't trying as hard, but I think in his mind first was like, don't foul, don't foul, don't foul. And it'll be interesting to see how he kind of develops as a rim protector because to your point earlier, I don't think it's going to get any better. Like Rashawn is not, Rashawn has not been a, a traditional rim protector in his career. He has been able to get like one, one and a half blocks a game or so when he gets the most minutes, but um, I just, you know, I don't see this role changing for Domas, and he's going to have to figure his, I almost cursed, to figure this ish out. His poop out? Right. Because, wow. Watch your because language. he's going to have to continue to protect the rim, and he's going to have to continue to be on the floor at the Watch end of the game. Watch your profanity. Profanity. Watch your profanity. Uh, also, Sabonis, his importance on the floor He's their, I mean, he's their point guard pretty much. He's six point one assists per game that leads the team. Right, and with Fox out, especially who's been been a good distributor over his career as well, uh, they they need that. And we've seen guys like Malik Monk step up, and the Kings did have a lot of good ball movement last night. Good ball movement so far of a season. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have to look up how many assists they're averaging per game this season. They're top it, ten. If I'm not mistaken. I think so. Yeah, it's uh, I think it's fifteen. No, I'm sorry, twenty twenty seven point four per game. That's that's a lot, man. That is a lot. That's a lot of assists per game. I don't know that ranks per that team. Ranks, if you're pulling it up, I'm trying to team ranks assists eighth, eighth in the league. Wow, that's no and that's noteworthy. It is for sure. That's noteworthy. And again, you have players on the bench like Malik Monk, and when Davion Mitchell is being uh, even remotely productive, they can move the basketball around. So. That's not really a problem with this team. Ball movement's not a problem. But Sabonis is, is important just the fact that he can do everything so well. When he's scoring and he's on, he's hard to stop. When he's he's one of the best rebounders in the league when he's in, on the floor and then he can move the basketball. So keeping him out of foul trouble is integral to the success of his team. That was a good step last night. Um, I know you have a meeting I in do. 17 minutes, yes. so I guess we should go to awards. But before we go to awards, let me just get a quick hit in on the fact that I am thankful – that our new rookie's dad is not toxic. I don't know if you saw last night, but uh, Cam Salerno, a friend of ours from the Sacramento Bee, he tweeted last night that Keegan Murray was subbed out with 9.26 left in the game. Didn't return. Mm. Just putting out some, you know, just a statement about what happened. And it's true. He didn't play the last 10 minutes of the game. Still don't agree with that. Anyways, Keegan Murray's father, Kenyon, he responded to that in, a, in Marvin Bagley's senior fashion, or so we thought. But he actually went on to say, quote, he wasn't great on defense. His shot wasn't falling, and he struggled a little bit in his defensive rotations. Good thing is it's only game seven of 82. He might have a chance to bounce back this season with the, cry- with the laughing crying emoji. 
The team is competing. Every team is banged up. The Kings will be okay. That's a breath of fresh air compared to the Marvin Dadley stuff. And then, like, in this graphic I'm looking at, the other tweets I'm seeing from Bagley's dad uh, say, uh, at Sacramento Kings, please trade Marvin Bagley ASAP. Love Coach Bagley. The Quinn Cook tweet, best spots to eat in Sacramento. Team Bagley says home. And then the last one is, what sense does it make to treat Marvin Bagley this way? No worries. It'll surely work out. Uh, I'll start off awards with giving a um, gold star to Kenyon Murray, which is the first ever gold star you right. out on the podcast. So that's... Thank you, Kenyon. Thank you, Appreciate Kenyon, it. for not being toxic. Uh, okay. <laughs> Since we got to wrap it up. King of the week. I think you can go first. Right. Why don't uh, you go first? Sure. Um... I mean, it's really. I I think we have to share the same person, right? Like, yeah. it's it's got to be Kevin Herter, who has just been absolutely on fire for well, it's been seven games now that he is just he's he's been the Kings' best shooter flat out. Um, whether or not he's been the best player, I you know, De'Aaron Fox has been pretty incredible, but Kevin has been right there next to him. He shoot. I don't know what his three point percentage I got is you. standing at at the moment, but he's been above fifty percent. Fifty one. What? How many attempts per game? So Kevin Herter right now. Seven games, fifty percent from the field, fifty-one percent from three. Uh, he is taking eight three-point attempts per game, right? And he's averaging nineteen points per game. Also, third on the team in assists per game, so or fourth on the team in assists per game with four. He's he's been since we're sharing the same award. I guess I'll hop in. Yeah, with you. please. Uh, he he's been the exact type of player that when they traded for him, we were sitting here talking about it, and I was hoping, wow, that'd be great if he could run into a big. You know, a, a, a big role here in Sacramento. Right. He's he has a big role, and he's going to continue to have a big role. I was I like, mean, I feel like he can get bigger. He's he's pretty valuable to like the blueprint of a team success, and even like historically, uh, I found last night since since eighty five eighty six season, Sacramento's first in Sac in the nine one six. He's the first Kings player since Mike Bibby in 04, to score twenty two points, make four more threes shoot better than 50% from the field in three straight games. Wow. Only two Kings have ever done it, Mike Bibby and Kevin Herter. Now, that might be kind of a butter knife stat, but it's it's true. He's been knocking down threes oh, at really? a pretty impressive yeah. rate. I mean, right. he's also never scored 22 or 20 points in three straight games before. Right, and I mean, that speaks to the... the I mean, to me, that speaks to Monty McNair and how he was able to look at Kevin Herter, who's... a an asset that is just being under, clearly underutilized on that Atlanta team. Like, if anything, this points to how much of a ball hog, frankly, Trey Young is. Like, this guy was just sitting on and has been sitting for Atlanta for the past three, four years, been putting up incredibly consistent numbers, but just hasn't gotten this kind of opportunity, this amount of touches, uh, to prove that he is this good because. Man, I mean, just the difficulty of shot in which Kevin Herter is hitting on a nightly basis and is making it look like it's like it's a layup. I mean, he's hitting nothing but net on step back thirty footers, step back thirty footers, and it feels like he's making like three to three to four a game, and it's it's easy for him. It's he's reliable. Obviously, he's shooting fifty plus percent from three. That's that's absurd. That's not going to last. But I would expect him to probably finish this season somewhere. In the mid to, you know, maybe mid to high, but I would expect mid to low 40s. Um, and that's not something that the Kings have had, especially at that kind of volume, ever. ever. No, no. I mean, Buddy Hill was, was tip your cap to him. He was a good shooter. Yeah. 
Great shooter. I think he peaked at like 42% on six attempts or yeah, something. Yeah, I think Buddy Hield also, I saw a graphic, he leads the NBA and made three-point field goals right. over the past, I think, three or four seasons. I right. mean, Steph Curry missed almost an entire season. You and I but. would talk about Buddy a lot, though, in the sense of like, he wasn't a, I don't want to say he wasn't a great shooter. He's not like a knockdown shooter. Like, he's a very much definition of a volume shooter. He had that one year where he was yes. like... He was incredible. Crazy. Dave Yeager. The Dave Yeager. Yeah. yeah. And they had the most structure that they've ever had. He, yeah, and then they ruined it. Uh, he was great that year. He was. But what we're seeing from Kevin Herter, I don't think 50% is obviously going to last, but I think it's sustainable that he's going to be a, a knockdown threat. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's not just a spot-up shooter, he can create. Right. That's huge, that's huge. to me. Because Buddy could not do that. Yeah. Buddy could not create his own shot. Right. And I would say the Kings have three guys at the moment, like in Fox, Monk, and Herter, who can kind of create their, you know, that last second, five seconds on the clock shot, or even just like make something out of nothing. Um, yeah, and that's ha- they have a handle. They have that's a handle on the basketball. Right. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's, again, that's that's something that you can take into final moments of games or even down the stretch when you need buckets. Like, that's, especially if people are going to key in on De'Aaron Fox, like you need people like uh, Kevin Herter to just expand the court in the most dramatic ways possible. So, uh, yeah, you know, it turns out M- Monty was true to his word and, and brought in a ton of shooters and really brought in, like, the best options that you really could have brought in, it seems like, in the market. And the fact that he's under contract for four more years right. and he's a steal. he aligns with De'Aaron Fox, he's on a pretty good contract. I think the most he makes is $17 million in three seasons. It goes from 15. Yeah. And that's going to be up. pennies when the, uh, when the new the CBA. new CBA goes through. Yeah, he'll right. be making, I mean, it'll be like a... A fringe Near, yeah, right. rotation player, like a like a seventh, sixth, seventh player on the bench kind of salary. Uh, it's a good deal, and he's been very valuable. The headband's been working for him. And let's not forget who they gave up to get him. It was Mo Harkless, Justin Holiday, and an incredibly protected first round. I know, and I put up a, a story about that this week. People and are lunatics. People are like, people are oh, lunatics. they gave up. They gave up something. Like we, like the, the bogey thing. They still had to give up something to get harder. What did they give up? Because if they're bad, they keep the pick. Right. If they're even, if they're even like a fringe playoff team again, they'll probably keep the pick. It's top fifteen, top twenty. I think it's top twelve, then goes top ten, oh. or no, I think it's top fourteen, then top twelve, and top ten. Right. Um. The last thing I'll do is get us clarity on that, and then we'll get out of here. The deal goes. I have to go to my name. And it goes. Stay with me. Stay with me, everybody. The pick is protected. Top 12 protected. Top 14 in 2024. So it's not even next year's pick. It's 2024, top 14 protected. No, it is next year's pick. It's not this, this, it's not this year This yet. season's pick. You're right. I it's forgot. Next it's, it's almost 2023. I forgot. Right. Yikes. Living uh, in the future. Yes. Uh, it's 2024, top 14 protected. Uh, that doesn't convey top 12 protected, 2025, top 10 in 2026. So if the Kings are a good basketball team... They'll lose the pick, but that's fine because they'll be a good basketball team. If they're a bad basketball team, they keep it. So how are people out there griping about this? I just don't really get it. Right. The odds of taking an impact, even like a small impact player, once you get past 16, 20, is like very, very minimum. It's it's already tough enough to make a top 10 pick that that works out. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, it's especially – for someone like Kevin Herter, like it's it's a steal. They almost made the the play in last year. The Kings missed it by two games, I right. think, and they still ended up with the fourth pick. Right, and they were like very true a thirty win team. Right, so 
Everyone needs to relax. Kevin Herter is a great player. They got him for pennies on the dollar because Atlanta, great on them for drafting talent, but they had too much to pay. Mm-hmm. Far too much talent. Yep. They went with DeJounte Murray and they shed uh, Kevin Herter and yep. I think they shed somebody else. In a too. weird, someone's got to do like all of the legwork on it, but in a weird way, Monty letting Bogey walk made Atlanta overcapped and made it so that yep. Kevin Herter could be made available to come to the Kings. So exactly. Next time you want to, you know, trash Almonte McNair, realize he's light years ahead. And then quickly, uh, my Coke machine sponsor us Coke, please. My Coke please. machine of the week goes to the entire bench. The entire bench uh, yeah. has been horrible. You're right. Davion Mitchell did have a good game uh, stepping up for De'Aaron Fox. Definitely great, great game. Uh, followed it up with a poopy. Poopy last night. Poopy, poopy. He was starting, but still the bench players. Need more. Malik Monk, I'm kind of not really talking about you. Right. Uh, but Trey Lyles need to be consistent. Step up. Rashawn, step up. Delhi had some good moments. Right. TD, not really much of an opportunity here. Right. But yeah, you guys uh, enjoy that. Enjoy award. this Coke. Do you agree? Do you concur? I completely agree. Could not could not agree more. Or in unison this I mean, week. It's, it's just like, I mean, it's very obvious. Like, right. Like, the, the, the depth of this team was supposed to be its strength, and... Uh, it just it has not been at all, and there there's been nobody consistent that Mike Brown has been able to look on for the bench and and say like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna go to you to write this ship. Except for honestly, Malik Monk, who is who has just been great. I mean, and that's why they brought him out, here. right? Exactly. Malik has been exactly as advertised, if not more, with with his with the way he's stepped up as a playmaker. To me, has been uh, the biggest positive from Malik Monk. But obviously, his his buckets have been incredibly exciting. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, we, I, I got a meeting here in like Talk five Talk to you on minutes, Saturday so, on right. Kings Weekly? Yes. Frankie will be joining me this Saturday on Kings Weekly. Be sure to check that out. Uh, we Live. are starting at 11 o'clock. That will actually be a pre, pre, pre-game, pre-game show. Yeah. Uh, because the Kings play at three. Two. Two. Two that day. So I will be on uh, Sacktown Sports 1140 on the YouTube page, on the actual radio station from yeah. 11 to 12. At 12.30, Scott Marsh and Henry Turner will hop on for game night, leading you all the way till 1.30, where Jay Ross and uh, G-Man. G-Man will take you all the way to King's Tip-Off at 2. Join us. Please, please join us. Um, 11 a.m. Saturday. 11 a.m. on Saturday. Appreciate everyone who has tuned in for that. Uh, we're trying to get our own feed for that so, uh, so people don't have to get cross-pollinated with this podcast. Too much C-Watkins. <laughs> yeah, way too much of me. Uh, for my guy, Frankie Cardicelli, I am Chris Watkins. Again, check us out on Saturday at 11 o'clock. Check out that Starberry Vaseline video. Check out that Starberry Vaseline video. He literally eats Vaseline. Educate yourself. Yeah. History of basketball. Right. Um, yeah, that's that's it. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>